Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel and Marcy Unplugged with me, as always, Adel and Marcy. Uh, the show is always sponsored by purelyhosting.com forward slash Adel. Go there to get your website sorted online. Of course, they have really good uptimes and support teams, and they build your website for you. I think it's worth like three grand or something. You'll have to check the site because it's all on there. Um, again, the URL is uh, purelyhosting.com forward slash Adel. We're also sponsored today by Halbertizing. That's uh, H-A-L-B-E-R-T-I-S-I-N-G.com. Halbertizing.com is one of the best websites out there for actually learning more around co- about copywriting from one of the legendary copywriters himself, Gary Halbert, actually b- brought together by his son, who's actually not a bad hand at copywriting himself, Bond Halbert, who's been around in that industry for, I'd say, 36 years, give or take. The guy's like actually really, really cool. Um, without further ado, I'm pleased to bring on Bond Halbert. Bond, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, let me make one quick uh, correction. <clears throat> Halbertizing, we have a couple of sites, and the GaryHalbertLetter.com is where you'll find mostly Gary Halbert solo content. And Halbertizing is whenever we take anything of his and we add to it or we put out our own materials and stuff, you can find that on Halbertizing.com with an S or a Z. Okay, cool. All right, so that that makes a lot more sense. So, guys, um, yeah, go ahead and check that out. Well, just so you know, what we try and do is we try and keep, you know, everybody loves his work and everything. So we always run into the, well, here's what we should be doing with it, but we still want to kind of keep it in the original everything he wanted about it, like without changing a word, so keeping it pure, right? (laughs) So that's why when we do something, we only, like, add to the end or if something is a radical depart. departure from his actual just being solely exactly what he wrote we kind of move it over onto a different site so it keeps everybody happy yeah definitely i mean of course garyhalbertletter.com being one of the best places to learn copy i mean it was a huge resource for me when i started to uh figure out structure and stuff so the reason i actually brought uh, i got bond on the show was bond gave me a massive insight and it's like one of the first times he and i actually spoke instantly i knew this guy had to be here because he's <laughs> This is one of those few shows that you guys have seen before where I shut up for most of the time and in a, occasionally come in and make fun of the guy. That, that's about it, but he always puts me in my place. So, um, Bond, you've been in this industry, you've been around since like, you, you've been in the round this since you were about 10 years old, give or take 15, but really 10. And uh, your dad wrote the Boron letters to you. Well, yeah, actually, um, I actually was been around the industry since I was born. My dad uh, quit his la- got fired from his last job the day I was born. It might have been the day before. Um, and from that point on, I was raised just surrounded by direct mail and advertising. Uh, when I was a little kid, I spent a lot of time stuffing, stamping, and sealing envelopes. But it was around ten where in the Boron letters, my dad even tells the tale of where, and I remember vividly where we were walking down the street. And I told him I was lucky to be able to watch him at that time because he was down on his luck, be able to see how he reproduced his stuff um, and recreated his wealth. And he thought that was so smart, he decided to then start training me. So it wasn't just like, you know, you've been around it because, you know, you grew up in the hospital ward and stuff. You're actually being shown exactly how to do the operation. (laughs) Yeah. So that really kind of started at 10. But the Boron letters came when I was about 15 and he started to put into print and codify all of the lessons and the stuff that he had been giving to me first and then practicing with other people. So when you think of all the body of work that my dad put out that affected so many of today's copywriters, 
I was, and this isn't just like a bragging point because this is, you know, I was just born in this situation. I was the first to hear these lessons. I heard them refined and honed over time and I understood the core concepts of them. So there's a different kind of like, sometimes there's a different level of understanding I will have than other people do because I've heard it so much more that my mind started questioning why this worked this way and then if this worked this way because of that, why is that true? <laughs> and so, you know, it's like when I hear about a free recorded message the thing in my mind is well it's about you know um, a, it's it's about lowering the barriers and the anxiety to call up and get a small bit of information and it's about getting them to take another little step because it's easier to get people to take a big step if you've gotten them to take little steps first you know there's a lot of psychology behind a uh, hidden psychology in marketing and when my dad was teaching people a lot of the times he's just quickly giving them here this is what you want and here's how to do it and get out of my face <laughs> and Whereas I'm like, okay, you know, I heard that so much and so often that I started in my mind to kind of like try and break down. And, you know, there are people who think that my father and I study or are masters at NLP. And I've been accused of that all the time. And it's just, it's simply not true. We don't study that. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that comes natural to us that we will do that you'll find probably in NLP manuals, right? I um, can relate to that entirely because I actually had someone <laughs> say the exact same thing to me last Thursday before you and I got on the call. Literally, same thing. Have you studied NLP? I'm like, no. Just yeah. It, and my dad, you know, so we didn't, um, so there's a lot of things that I will, I've started to do where it's, you know, this is something that it's just obvious to him and I, but nobody ever spoke about it because everybody was so busy giving the, you know, here's the quick how to do it. And we only have eight hours in this webinar to give you, you know, to try and teach you, not webinar, but seminar to teach you a lot about advertising. It's, you know, we're not going to even get through just telling you, explaining all the how to's. So we didn't, couldn't always get into the deep conceptual uh, uh, be concepts behind why we, you know, <laughs> why this particular strategy. And so one of the things my brother and I have been doing lately is since we don't like to touch anything my dad did, or and the only way we augmented is to add to it. Um, you know, so you know, one time we were breaking down one of his ads on the most mildly mailed sales letter in history at one point, which was the coat of arms ad. And I'm, you know, we're explaining the thought process behind the way that the address is written because there's hidden psychology in that nobody else ever caught. And the, and the people who broke down the ad and tried to make hay and pretend like they knew everything about Gary Albert tried and didn't couldn't even catch that too. For you know, so like as an example. This, you know, it was about how the piece had to have a continual flow and appear, you know, nothing had to crack the facade that this was a letter written by a middle-aged housewife in the middle of a small town in Ohio, right? And so one of the things they did in the address is they went and sought out an address that would match this, uh, this image that they wanted. So it had to be a basic small town street, it had to be a street, not a boulevard, couldn't have a large address and stuff like that. But one of the very clever things they did, because this is a one-page letter, and it's got 18 months of like testing and hidden psychology put into the letter. Every word of that letter has earned its place. Every word. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things on the address is it's spelled out. It says street, but it doesn't say S-T. It says street spelled out. And nobody ever caught why that was so. But I knew instantly why it was so. And the, the reason is, is because the, the, you know, who spells out street as opposed to just writing ST? Anybody working and doing a common thing today in business or doing a lot of business is immediately going to the abbreviations of street. And they were back then too. You know, it was just everybody did it. The only people who spelled out street were people who were unprofessionals with a lot of time on their hands. Um, 
and that's not to say they were sloppy or anything, but it was like your grandmother. It was like, you know, it was the middle-aged housewife that this letter was supposed to come from, right? And so, the, you know, there's that level of detail and hidden psychology in, you know, in a lot of the copywriting and a lot of the techniques and stuff that my dad taught. <clears throat> and one of the things that I'm trying to do nowadays is, you know, take one at a time and, you know, give them not just the the core basic principles behind it but sometimes I've added to it like you know my dad's editing formula I've added steps of my own that make it easier to you know come up with a well polished piece and stuff like that that's cool I mean the ones that that's kind of like in so insanely interesting just how like the little thing like the street um, is such a huge thing it's uh, in the copy lab one of the th like the thing I run that's one of the letters that I've not ever try to break down it's like it's a part of advertising history i'm just like i've mentioned it like go check it out but i would never try and break it down because i'm like that, that is it's 326 words long if i if i remember correctly or 326 328 yeah um such a so short a, go, go you should you should check out the breakdown that kevin and i did on that it's it's i mean every like i said every word has earned its place and when you're teaching copy you should you know this you know when you're teaching copy you know, if you go to your audience and your audience is, let's say, you know, you got 20,000 people listening to you and you say, okay, what's the, what's the top thing? What's the next thing you guys want to learn? Everybody's going to start, you're, you're going to get the same kind of list that we got 20 years ago when we asked the same questions. We do, we still ask the questions every once in a while, but it's usually the same, same basic questions a lot over and over again. And, the re, and so what that does is that prevents you from getting into a lot of advanced level stuff. Because you know you are so busy trying to explain to people why a, why a headline should have some a combination of curiosity and or benefits and you know why you know how to pump that up and really get attention or how to begin the copywriting process and just start writing or where to get your hook and you know do how to do copy research and stuff that a lot of people just don't have you know the instructors when you're teaching people copywriting don't have the time to go into really advanced level stuff they're not saying you know look. Um, you know, they're not teaching you to go and Google a list of terms in that industry that you're talking about and then go and insert those and pepper them into the copy and how to use them to uh, build up your bona fides and build up the credibility of the author or of the copy you're writing. You know, it's and they don't, you know, and it, or the exact new, you know, like subheads. They'll teach you about subheads, but they're not necessarily explaining about how to create the transition so that the reader reading the whole copy never loses a skip to be people who are just skimming the ad and decide to enter the copy from that subhead on, pull in and just start falling down the grease slide. You know, there's, like I said, there's just a lot of, you know, when you've been writing the copy for a long time, there's so much material that is beyond. Um, what anybody could cover in the basic courses and stuff like that, and so I just I'm just trying to explain why you don't you didn't hear my dad explain some of these stories or some of these some of these things because you know you're now getting into, you're now getting down into a level where you know you know there's not so many people who need to know or who are ready ready for that information just yet, and you know those are you know. <clears throat> Um, those that are have come a long way, and so if you're dealing the, so the bigger courses that were broadcast and taught to the masses and stuff like that, there's just no way that you know, what are you going to do? Get a 15 volume copywriting course and you know deliver it on your doorstep and make everybody scared to even crack it open? <laughs> well, that's partial, but then again, you send it to the right person. Like me, I would actually go ahead and probably be like, okay, I'm totally going to take this on. <laughs> Main reason is because like I just love your dad's stuff. It's just so good. Uh 
Yeah, no, I I agree. But there's, yeah, I'm just saying that there's a lot of stuff that's like that NLP thing that they think that we do. And <clears throat> what I do, try and do nowadays, I try, like I said, describe and codify and put it into a steps and formulas the way that my dad did in a lot of ways. So that, you know, it's more understood why we're doing it. And, and it's, you know, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of it is going to be you know, like if, you know, when I when I look at it, I'm sure there's a lot, there's a ton of crossover. It's like, oh, yeah, I do that. I just do that naturally. Or I, you know, I do it for a different reason, but I do that anyway. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've got to probably, I'm, you know what, next thing I'm probably going to do is get my hands on the editing piece if it's available. <laughs> just like see how your dad used to edit things. Just yeah, well, I'm actually working on a piece right now, which is not only his formula, but the stuff that I've added. So that's cool. look, you can look for that soon. Yeah, definitely, I'll probably get you to like ping, like ping me the day it comes out, like just so I can get it before everyone else. And be like, haha, bitches. <laughs> well, we both know I would do that. I'm that much of an asshole at times. So I would do that. I mean, you're talking to the guy that gloated about. I can't remember what I was gloating about until I fell down the stairs. That was really bad. I can't remember what it was. I, all I remember is waking up in the hospital the next day, going, "How did I fall down the stairs?" Like you were gloating about something and tripped. I was like, "Okay." Well, that's how it works. As soon as you go online, you start, you know, you start talking about how, you know, calling somebody else less intelligent, you you put in a grammatical error or a spelling issue. Every it's like every single time, it's it's God keeping you humble. Oh my God, that was so brilliant. The the ad I posted, um, that you know that I blamed you for. Well, I'm gonna blame you anyway. It's gonna happen. It happens to me enough times. It's, you know, pass the blame sometime. I wrote the ad and um, my friend literally messaged me 20 minutes later going, dude, you've misspelled like six words. Go back and check it out. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> I was like, yes, this coming from a guy that's a copywriter that is that is literally giving you how much he's made for his clients and going, yeah, you misspelled a word here. Are you sure you're as good as, oh, damn it, I've got to go back and do this again. Oh, well, you know, it's it's funny. The, the you know, the real... Um, the real talent in marketing is not in, you know, the grammar. Yeah. In fact, you know, copywriters have to, there's a lot of stuff you have to learn as a copywriter to undo. For example, like, you know, where you break up your paragraphs, you know, you have to undo that from, and, you know, in school and college, they're trying to teach you and telling me all the time, uh, pull out the thesaurus and use these, find these bigger, fancier words. You're doing the exact opposite in copywriting. You're pulling out the thesaurus and finding the more simple word. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, to use. it's a... You have to unlearn a lot of stuff that, you know, you're in, in, in novels and everything, you're trying to impress everybody with your eloquence and how, you know, your lengthy descriptions and just, you know, and I find that there's so many of these really important differences between um, what you're taught as, as to write from high school on and then from what you actually, the, the best kind of writing in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I think there was a study that said no one really reads beyond the fifth grade. Like, that's the most most people get to. Um, the mass majority, or even younger than I think, so either that or the... Yeah. When it was... Okay, when my parents were young, they basically... TV was a... You know, they only had a couple shows on. It was very rare to even watch it. So most of everybody's entertainment and fantasy world came from books. Right, so they enter. So that's why if you see those books that are uh, a lot older, they've got the really long paragraphs and they're very wordy and stuff like that. You know, I mean, you know, pick up, Ayn, pick up Ayn Rand, man. Oh yeah, I... <laughs> you know, you're like whoa. <laughs> and um, and and so what happened is as time as time went by, people became more video TV generation, and you know, it's an easier form of you know absorbing stories and things like that. 
And that became more prevalent, and we went online and everything. Everybody's reading sort of attention span kind of dropped. And it doesn't change copywriting because you still end up writing a lot of scripts, you know, and it, which is, it has its own differences, but in some ways is easier. You know, you're not worried about repeat words and run on sentences as much with a script than you are than you are if something is in print. Mm. Um, but the print, you know, in the print world, it just got to the point where you know um, people people just don't have the reading, you know, the reading uh, or the enjoyment in reading as much as they used to. Yeah. I think, um, and and it's uh, and because of that though, you want to you know I mean you, you know you need to have even more eye relief than before. And so when I was young, uh, when you wrote newspaper ads, you wanted to match the level of the newspaper, and the loose newspaper was usually set at about sixth grade reading level. Yeah. And now they say it's even lower, right? And what I did one time, I was writing, um, I was at my son's soccer practice, and I was sitting there, they were practicing, so I was typing on the little iPad with the keyboard, and I was writing an email just to send out the next day, or actually two days from there, and it was a, it was just a quick email for um, uh, announcing an offer for uh, a, a course from Scott Haynes. And so Scott, I sent it to Scott Haynes. I said, hey, this is my first draft. Take a look at it and send it back to me with anything that you think has changed. I'll pull, finish it and we'll send it out. And I only spent a few minutes writing it, but the and it, and it worked incredibly well. But the one thing that was funny about it was he he calls me up and he said, you know, I put that through the Hemingway program, and it says it was written at the third or third and a half grade level. <laughs> and um, you know, these guys put their you know, I've never used the Hemingway program myself, but everybody puts it through you know puts their. Um, uh, a lot of the guys are using the copywriter or copywriters are putting their copy through the Hemingway, shooting for the lowest that they can get. And the reason he was telling me is they struggled to get it to fifth grade, and you know he's just amazed that I just naturally blow right into three and a half. And the reason is simple: it's just that you know I've um, you know I learn and I practice communication. Uh, you know, uh, copywriting is communication. Yeah. If you can speak well, you can write well. If you can convince people in person, you can convince people on print. That's why, you know, people, you know, salesmen who aren't afraid to write down what they've been saying to people make such great copywriters. Mm -hmm. um, if you're persuasive in person, you can be persuasive in print. If you learn to be a communicator in person and you try and keep things clear, and, you know, um, my dad had an incredible vocabulary. They tested it one time and they said, we need another level test to test you. I was in... Um, seventh grade when they told me that I did a reading comprehension test and it came back 12 plus and I was upset because I thought this meant like 12 percent or something and then they explained it was grade level and then they explained to me that means that we need a college level test to test your reading ability wow. right you would never know that if you were speaking to us you know <laughs> we, we you know my dad would pull that you know if I turned to my dad you know I, and if I turn to him and I like to, you know, say this sometimes, I'll say, you know, hey, Dad, you know, your uh, propensity for prolixity places you precariously on the precipice of pomposity. And I imagine him coming back and saying, yeah, but my circumlocution is meant to be pedantic. It's not disboy, right? <laughs> my dad would, my dad would raise his level of vocabulary instantly to any level I've ever seen. He had the most incredible vocabulary of anybody I've ever seen. But you would never ever know it, listening to him or reading to, uh, or reading anything of his, unless this was a subject or words and a vernacular that was already being used. 
Okay, and then he would match it because that's good marketing, just like NLP would teach you. It's you know you come in matching somebody at the tone where they are at, not where they, not where you want them to be. You know, if you're ang- if they're angry and you want them to calm down, you got to come in and be angry with them and then slowly bring them down. <laughs> if they're happy and you want them to be angry, you can't come in just being angry. You got to come in happy and then slowly ruin things and make them happy <laughs> or make them angry. That's know? that's really cool. I mean, that's one of the one of the things I really respect about your dad. And um, something just a side note, by the way, because I've only just I literally just got this text message uh, about ten seconds ago about give or take. Um, my cousin in America who basically, she has no idea what I do for a living. Uh, she's like a sister to me. She literally said, I read the letter on your, um, on your status, the, the ugly letter. And she said, I've just, I have no idea who Bond Halbert is, but I've literally just gone ahead and ordered a copy of the Boron letters. <laughs> I'm like, I think, uh, I think I should tell Bond that cause I'm talking to him right now. Oh, that's great. Oh, man, that's so cool. I uh, At some point, though, when I come back to the States, I better bring that with me. I'm going to get you a sign-up because that will just be interesting. More fun. You know, another piece of memorabilia. Actually, the um, what you've got is... Now, the, you know, the the born letters are my favorite gift of all time. You know, they're, they're the, and for anybody who doesn't know, they're the letters that are in... Uh, my dad wrote to me when he was stuck inside Boron for, I think, 10 months. In any case... They outline and teach you basically a lot of life lessons in the industry, but I think the Boron letters, you know, um, you know, they're a gift that keeps on giving. I reread them myself once a year, and I always get reminded or pull out. You remember earlier when I was talking about seeing that different level of concept? Yeah. That's what I get out of it when I reread my dad's stuff at all, and especially the Boron letters. But you know, like when I was rereading because I was, I'm putting together some stuff to put my dad's stuff out in print to help people along and the reason we hadn't put just the letters in print is some of them sound really dated unless you really understand the stuff behind them. Mm-hmm. An example of that is 976 numbers. For anybody like you probably don't even know what they are. <laughs> but 976 numbers were a special number designation like 800 numbers except which instead of being toll free it charged you to call. And so you would call a 976 number and somebody would tell you your horoscope or they'd talk dirty to you or tell you a joke and it would cost you only a couple of it would cost you a couple of dollars. But what people could do is you know and so my dad would talk about how you could use these to make money. But a lot of people if I put out that letter the people who were uninitiated as to who Gary Halbert is would come out and say, oh, this is just old school stuff. I need something a little bit more modern that will work today. But what they don't really get is that, look, that's the same concept. Uh, The concept behind that is, A, you can anonymously and inexpensively go and grab, you know, go get a small bit of information or content in a small amount and trust that your card will save and have it charged automatically through your phone bill. It's the exact same thing as your short text code text these four numbers to get this and this or that you know where you know you know text you know send this text to this to donate ten dollars to this charity right it's the same exact concept you can make us very small transaction and or get a very small amount of content for it with a quick and you know in a quick um, in a non-invasive way to your life and you can get this you know you can get that out of there and the same thing is also going to be true with other technologies that will they will deliver from now on when you find you know when you find that there's a system 
that allows you to send a small bit of information and charge a small amount of money through a company that the that the consumer feels safe using and doing their business through that's where all of that kind of stuff applies and you can start putting out you know your daily horoscope and you know li you know top real estate listings that just went up in your neighborhood for people looking for that you know or whatever your market is yeah that's that's really powerful like ridiculously powerful and that's something i've actually noticed uh, i think you and i said this on our last call which was everything has cycles what worked mm -hmm. in the past will always work in the future and what's what work now will eventually go out of fashion and come back like 10 years later yeah you know that you know that adventure letter the um that the guy um he was looking you know he's like you know danger you know you fraught with danger and peril but you'll come back you know if you survive you come back with all you know having a great adventure and riches and all this other stuff yeah it's i i god i wish i remember the name of the letter it's just off the top of my head but it was a it, or but the letter itself would be great for trying to help get people advertise to join up on a startup you know, the startup company of Silicon Valley or in other places are now the new adventures for a lot of people who want to go out and make their way and make a mark and get rich, right? And that thing is so old that I think I think you could probably recycle that and the concepts inside that piece and do it for you know recruiting for for a um, for a startup company. Mm. But you know, it's just a thought. You know, but but the thing is. You're right. You know what is what is old becomes new again. What is you know? I mean, everything starts to go into a cycle, and it just ends up with a, a different skin on it. And every once in a while, there are these improvements, and you get better clarity uh, or understanding of concepts or how you're going to do stuff, and you get better technologies. You know, that's what that's you know a lot of a lot of the biggest changes in marketing and the the cutting edge where people really make their fortunes is being on the bleeding edge of technology and looking at it in an unconventional way. You know, my dad made so much money on that um, coat of arms letter because of a many things that he did. One, it was brilliantly written. Yeah. Two. The, one of the concepts behind, you know, to make something work in the mail or, or space ads back then, you you worried about waste circulation. You know, if if you were, you know, and, and it, was there a big enough audience to make it worth printing and mailing? By figuring out how to make a fake computer letter, he inexpensively sent letters that looked customized to thousands of people named Halbert, right? <laughs> and so he was, he's taking advantage of... Um, he t um, so he was taking advantage of using the concept in an unorthodox way. And then what he did was he went and um, paid these guys at R.R. R. Donnelly who had just spent a lot of money taking all of the info and all the names and lists from the – they, they basically held the, uh, the phone book lists, right, of all, the, of all the people across the United States. They, they subscribed and input the phone numbers and addresses of everybody in the phone book across the United States into their list. It was the, And so everybody's dream was to mail to that list and make it work because it was the biggest list, right? Mm -hmm. And so when he went to them, they had just successfully and proudfully broken it up into and segmented it by zip code so that you could get it via zip code. And um, so now, you know, you want to really target the people in this county, you can just get the list by that. But they didn't have it by name. And my dad's thing needed it by name. So he went and paid them a bunch of money to take the mag tapes and re-put re it back just for him. <laughs> just so that he could start mailing those names again. And it was worth it. But he took advantage of, uh, he was taking advantage of technology at that time. 
and uh, and he and he was staying ahead of the curb, and the and so one of the things that he did was when mails first came out and you got a whole bunch of mail, teaser copy probably worked really damn well. You know, you got a bunch of mail, but this one says something on the outside, it stands out, right? Mm -hmm. Then teaser copy became so common in teaser copies, the messages on the outside of envelopes. Mm -hmm. But the, if the teaser copy, if, you know, you got so much mail with teaser copy, all of a sudden the only mail that you really cared about or opened was the stuff that looked like a personal email or personal mail. The same thing is true with email. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the more, you know, the, you get these personal emails that, you know, the, you know, the more your emails start to look like personalized spam and you know the the key is to just be you know to understand that cycle and understand where everybody is and figure out how to show them that you're different so like i ran one time it's the only time i've ever i think it was the only time i've ever ran a google ad and i got a double digit click through rate okay and the way that i did that was uh, and I'm not a I'm I'm not your PPC guy really not um, but the uh, when I did that what I was doing was I was doing a site for and I was just experimenting and mucking around trying to learn how to build uh, websites and stuff so I built this site about free things to do in LA right and then I started just you know trying to learn like SEO and things like that and um, basically so that I understood the mechanics of things that I was writing copy about and understanding the flow that the people you know the consumers and customers would be going through um, and I started this because my brother was like oh you don't know how hard it is to send out these letters and to do this so I started just diving in and learning it well as I was going through it and I was looking at the Google ads I'm like you know if I was typing in this keyword string what's the one thing I'm really thinking and feeling and I was like you know what I'm thinking is I gotta sift through all these to find the one guy who's not gonna make me give him my spam email address right <laughs> to get some good to get some content or a free PDF so I put in the line no signups necessary so you know I had the proof that you know the website URL everything promised that we had exactly what if you were typing in the words you know free stuff to do in LA or free things to do in LA that we had exactly what you wanted right <laughs> but the one thing was no signups necessary people are like okay that made them choose because I knew that out of all those that they see on the right they're gonna want to choose that one yeah because it's the one they can check out quickly right so Again, it's like, you know, that was something you didn't need to worry about. When email first came out, when it very, very first came out, people were excited to get an email. Yeah. You know, it's just like mail. You know, when the mail first started, people were excited. Oh, my God, I got a letter. <laughs> <laughs> so everything and everything will go through those cycles again. And, you know, that's that's the way it works. So, when you know, a lot of times, you know, um, you know, keeping your attention, excuse me, the ability to get attention. It's a moving target, what you have to do to and figure out to do it. And that's why great marketers, they're not, especially copywriters, they're not really into the creative artistic writing stuff. They're about where are people passionate? They're about paying attention to, that was a neat way to get somebody's attention. That's a clever hook. That's a cool way to make somebody think of this. You know, th these are the things they're looking around for in all of their life. You know, in everything they read, the movies they see, you know, they, you know, the experiences they have and interactions with people in real life. And, you know, I think the, the, in my opinion, the copywriters who get out there and do that, you know, they're less, the, they're less about the formula, right? And they're more, that's, those are the ones that end up with like an artistic, you know, kind of 
a talent that that it's not about you know you can't can't be learned mm. it's it's not writing skill it's experiencing life and that's why a lot of people who experience life you know it's because it, 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 let me give you a better example of what I'm saying um, I can help you polish your copy and make it so slick that people just you know you know read almost every word of it but the fact is I can't take a boring story and make it make it exciting I can't take a bad offer and make it sell yeah. You know what I'm saying? The um, and I would rather you know I'd rather listen to a really fantastic story with spelling errors and other hiccups in areas than something that's just not of interest to me. You know, if you're selling to the wrong person or that the wrong you know wrong time or giving making them the wrong offer, no amount of cleaning that copy or creative writing is going to fix that. I agree entirely. It's basically like saying I'd rather listen to an old folk tale that is absolutely amazing then go through a constipated textbook. Yeah. That's pretty much the big example here. And you and you got it, you know, it's a rom like I said, and it's a roaming um, you know, what people are doing and what's successful at working to get a pe getting people's attention in marketing changes all the time. You know, something that was really, you know, passe now was super exciting and something that, you know, really grabbed everybody's attention five years ago or ten years ago. Mm, you know, but if you go back far enough, they've forgotten it and it works again. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. It's like uh, I said for a really long time, uh, I remember when, I'm sure you remember this, when newsletters were all the rage, like sign up to my newsletter, you get a free $97 newsletter when you sign up to my mailing list. Mm -hmm. um, that went out of... Uh, that was trumped at the same time they had the whole free giveaway for the free PDF and then it became free video free audio free this free that and now as you look at the cycle it's kind of like come all the way back down to the PDF again the newsletters were like at that point where that's starting again yeah so I want all the content that I can possibly get I want this huge library wait, wait a minute you know what I can, can I just get like you know cliff notes on this and then <laughs> and then you get the cliff notes and you're like wait a minute I'd like a deeper level of understanding you know I mean and it's you know every it's it's always in every industry and business it's like a very very long big cycle. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I don't think it ever like nothing really goes out of fashion, but it changes slightly. And I've I think I said I told so many people about this uh, with when regards to your dad. Um, your dad, in my opinion, was one of the greatest for one reason, and it's an insight that I think very few people that I know of out there really get. And I think you know this better than anything. Your dad was a natural salesman. Like he was just great at, as you said, communication. He was very good at understanding things. Well, I can tell you why. A lot of people, nobody knows why. Go for it. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is an exclusive right here. So go. Um, now, my father was, okay, when you find these guys, the major difference between myself and my father is I'm not ambitious like he was. He taught me how to make money and I make money whenever I need to make money. Um, I live my life the way I want to live my life. And it's, you know, people, uh, it, and it's, and the only reason that's true, and I'm not saying, you know, you know, people say that uh, having too much money can make you just as miserable as having too little. And that is true, but you can't understand that till you, ex till you live it, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the one thing that I had growing up was uh, just this up and down rocky road. Of you know, you know, living in custom homes and being flown to visit my parents who've checked into the Plaza Hotel for six weeks to watching my dad scrounge through the couch looking for change to put gas in the car and back again, back and forth, back and forth. I don't know anybody that has you know been through like okay, you know, <laughs> cars been repossessed to okay, we're all taking a first class vacation, you know, so often. 
Anyway, so one of the things that it taught me to, you know, it made a big difference was, is I have a different kind of view. Everybody has a, and everybody does have, I have a different emotional attachment to money than most people do. And it's similar to my dad's, but it's not quite the same. And if you notice the people who are the most driven, you look at these guys, it's like, wow, you've got, you know, and, and I say most, there is no absolutes, but I say there's, you know, you look at these guys, it's like you've got $14 billion, you're still working 50 weeks a year or, you know, 48 weeks out of the year and, you know, why are you still doing it? And a lot of them that come up and hard scrabbled from the bottom, they didn't just, you know, feel like they got lucky one time with something. The people like Warren Buffett, a lot of them have emotional attachments to money or, or issues with money that came from when they were kids. They were, you know, they felt like they were poor as children and that emotionally scarred them, made them feel inferior. So they swore they were never going to be poor again or somebody laughed at their clothes. And so from then on, they made sure they've always worn the very best clothes ever. And pe everybody is affected by your attachment and your association with money that you get as a kid. Mm -hmm. Everybody is. Yeah. Well, my father... When he was a kid, when it wasn't it wasn't necessarily about money. When my father was younger, he was emotionally scarred by not necessarily you know having money. But my father was grew up in a small town in Ohio, and so not everybody did have money. And but my dad was a nerdy guy with Coke bottle glasses. He wasn't you know he was he was at very much average looking. His parents weren't particularly you know you know they weren't well off or anything like that. My he wasn't a, he wasn't into football or sports, and that was a big thing in these small towns. Yeah, um, and so basically his his only power was the power of persuasion. It was the skill he started developing from a very young age. Right. And then he, you know, and he went into the military and, you know, he tried to, you know, you know, and he tried construction and some other things like, you know, everybody said this is what normal people should do. And he became like, you know, that hustler in his barracks. You know, he was a loan shark for a little while. Yeah. Um, and things like that. But he was still a very persuasive guy. And then he came back and immediately went into sales, came door to door salesman and all that. But my dad became a master persuader basically because that was his that was his that was his area that he could hone and become better at than everybody else because he was super smart <laughs> and he read a lot. You know, my grandmother said he was always headed out the door with a pocket full of vegetables and books, and he always had his head in the books. So he was filled with knowledge, super curious, and 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 that his ability to tell stories, entertain people, persuade people, and everything was all of his power. Wow. You know, so you know, I mean, so you know, somebody grows up in a really crime-infested area and, you know, might learn the gang life and guns is their power. Other people might, you know, they grow up in a wealthy area and they they quit they quickly get advan advantages you know there's power that comes from all kinds of different places you know when you're young um you know you could be getting along better in school because you know you're not as great with the academics but you're a sports star wow. you know you know and things like that my dad's only thing was super smart persuader guy and he and he was he really he you know um, even before he got into marketing, uh, I asked my, my mom, I said, you know, what attracted you to my father? And she said, you know, he was amazing. He could persuade anybody to do anything. And, uh, and people, you know, that's what a lot of people don't get about is copywriting. Yeah. His copywriting was, you know, it was an, ex it was the fact that he was educated enough to put into print the things that he was thinking. In fact, I'll share another thing that um, my father and I have a different style when it comes to copywriting because it's generational. It's you're you're probably more like me and most. It, what my dad would do 
see, a long time ago, um, my dad, uh, I remember going with my dad, he would write his copy and we'd go down to this place called Postal Instant Press. Or when he was working at an office, there would be a secretary and he would hand them the copy, his handwritten copy to be typed out. And they they would type it out, and it was kind of expensive to get somebody to, and it took a while to get somebody to do it and do it accurately. And so my father, when he would get his aha moment, he would do the research and you know uh, let it gel in his head and get that idea for the big hook and the solution. As soon as he got that, he would start rehearsing a and perfecting a sales pitch in his head, right? Whereas, and then when he got that sales pitch, like perfect, pun intended, when he got that uh, when he got that sales pitch in his head perfected, he would then write it down, and then we would go back and he would try on every edit to get it as perfect as possible, and he'd get it to like within three or four. Now I'm not that way. I get that idea and I pound out that first draft, and then I'll think of a new concept or a new angle, and I'll want to add that to the copy and come back and massage it in. And I will, you know, go through it and do 20 edits. My dad did like three or four edits. You know, um, and, you know, I'm sure there were some cases where he did like seven, but he's, you know, he didn't do nearly as many as everybody else was doing it. And so the thing is, he was always perfecting that sales that sales pitch in his head. That's where his copywriting was going on. And his skill at pitching people in his head came from his skill of pitching people in person and talking. And I'm trying to explain to my kids, you know, that they have a particular advantage in this because, you know, you grow up learning how to persuade people from your parents. Your mom doesn't get what she wants at the store. Does she cry or does she scream? You know, or does she just walk out and give up? You know, does she go back and just give them a bad review on Yelp? You know, how do they problem solve to get what they want to do? Well, my dad was really, really good at this. <laughs> and you could, and I could see that he wasn't using the same technique with everybody that, he, you know, and, um, and, you know, and I, I didn't think about this as much as to when I got older, as much as I just absorbed it. You know, you learn to behave like your parents, like through osmosis, you know, and I realized that you know he came at you know some people he gave them attitude and yelled at them to get what he wanted and some people he pleaded with them and some people you know he was uh, flattering them and you know I mean he would go through different uh, he did use different things under different situations but there were some things that under the you know that if you really spent enough time and you were breaking it down and thinking of the concepts of it that were universal to all of them yeah. so a lot of people think marketing's manipulation and it is but it's not necessarily amoral because the very first thing a good marketer thinks when I want you to send me money to me or I want you to do something for me is what could I do for you that would make you very eager to do that? Yep. That's, that's what good marketers do. So your very first thing in wanting to get something out of somebody, your very first thought is, you know, what could I do for them that would make them want to do that? Mm -hmm. And not just want to, but eager, and and then ha and you know your best marketers will also make them happy. You know that afterwards they're happy with the deal too. Yeah, I mean that's absolutely incredible. But to go back on that's, I'll I'll talk to you about something after this call. But um, wow is the only words I'm thinking. And the other thing is that that's actually the reason I see your dad. Uh, why I say your dad was absolutely amazing at what he did, and the only reason he really picked up most of the, in my opinion, I could be completely wrong because you know better than I do here. My opinion is that your dad only read the advertising books he did was to kind of figure out not so much the, for, like, more formatting as in how the day of the media worked. 
So like for direct mail, it's like, okay, I read this because I understand this is how direct mail's businesses work. Okay, I'm gonna apply what I already know into direct mail and go. Whereas if like if I said if your dad existed today, um, and was starting out today, he would be doing practically the same thing but online or with direct mail still, but he'd be figuring it out and kind of going through that way. But it would just be so second nature to him from his years of understanding people. Um it- well, yeah, what the, the well, I'll continue, well, because we know what my dad did do in relationship to how it would work, um, which is the first thing my dad did do was actually follow the books and follow their advice. He really did do mailings and tried with teaser copy and bulk ray and followed everything that they said to do. And then when that didn't work, he invented what is now called gun to the head marketing. He was the first, I don't know, you know, I could be wrong, but unless somebody has made this, made this comparison since before 1960. Nine, <laughs> he's the first person I know to actually use this. And he said, he got these bad test results. And he sat down and he said, you know, uh, imagine if somebody's pulling a gun to go putting a gun to his head and said, Gary, I'm going to pull the trigger unless you make a sale. What would he do differently? Now, my dad didn't like to put it in print because, it, but he usually used bigger ultimatums in in or uh, in his those hypotheticals. Like for me, he would never say somebody was holding a gun to your head. He would say somebody was holding a gun to your daughter's head. Right, <laughs> so something you so really I, care about. So in reality, the first the the head that the first gun to the head marketing was it was at was mine <laughs> and my brother's. I'm not I'm not you know taking away from that, but you know the first thing he thought was if somebody you know had a gun to your kid's head and said you know you're gonna this is gonna happen, uh, I'm gonna pull the trigger or to your head, someone gonna pull pull the trigger unless you do it right. And then he started thinking outside the box, right? But he really started thinking outside the box. If you think about it, you know. It's Jeff and Kevin. I mean, you know, he had his kids all have normal names, and all of a sudden, Bond. You know, that's my that's my real first name. <laughs> he started just thinking everything outside the box. He, he, that's at the time when they decided, you know what, you know, we're going to raise our kids thinking what we think should be right. Not we're not listening to conventional wisdom about this or that. We were given you know a certain amount of freedom, and we we gave a certain amount of respect and. It was, you know, we were allowed to do what we wanted to do unless it was, unless it could hurt us or other people. And we were raised differently than a lot of the kids were at that time. My dad was one of those first, you know, father, my dad's generation before him, or my grandfather's generation was not the kind that said, I love you, right? My dad's generation was the kind that rarely said it, but my dad said it to me all the time, every day, just look at the back of the letters, you know? So he started thinking differently from that. So I know that what my dad probably would do if he was starting out now, it's the same thing I saw in his learning process through everything. He would go and first seek out the very best, the highest rated, you know, person to learn from. That's the very first thing he always wanted to do. Uh, if he was going to pick, if he started to learn techniques on writing, he studied Hemingway. If he was going to study, you know, techniques on black and white photography, he'd go straight for Ansel Adams. He wouldn't bother with anything that was less, and he would didn't he wouldn't care if it cost him more money to study from the experts. Money didn't matter as much as time. And so he would then go and study the best, and then he would give it a shot doing it the way that they want, and then he would start applying his own brand to it. Now, the one thing, though, that I'm – and this is one thing that I'm slightly different from with my dad, different and the same. It's kind of hard hard to say, is when I was growing up, all of these guys who were gurus, first of all, weren't gurus yet, and a lot of the guys who became gurus were just who they were. You know, I mean, you know, when I was growing up, I was pulled out of meetings at school to go and go to brainstorming sessions with like Eric Weinstein and Jay Abraham. Jay Abraham was Jay, 
you know eric weinstein was eric you know they these guys would you know when you know all the people so when i was growing and my dad always had this open door kind of policy when he wasn't at an event or a seminar you know he put out his real telephone number on his newsletter i mean his home phone number <laughs> and you know he he had this kind of like open door thing so the one thing that my dad um that that I don't do is I never make I grew up I never make the assumption that somebody's the biggest brand in that industry and they're the for they're probably the best person to learn from they're a good starting point and I think that's what my dad was going for but um, the thing that I had learned to do was I hear and see good ideas from people at all levels I see these masters of marketers putting out brilliant new stuff that I'm like wait a minute that's you know that's really sharp but I also see it from people who are street hustlers on you know in Venice Boulevard yeah. or excuse me down in Venice Beach I see them all over the place and that was one thing that my dad was pretty good at doing too is taking pieces from anywhere and everywhere but I, the diff the only difference between my father and I is he will go and try what everybody else is telling him to do first and then he will make do, do then he will halbertize that sucker and start you know thinking outside the box and putting himself in the shoes of the prospects and you know applying his type of common logic to it you know common sense logic is what i mean um, i don't do that i go straight towards doing my own thing because because uh, i'm a, i'm always thinking i will do more interesting stuff on my own and then i can relearn what what everybody's got in the course material because the minute i start looking into that structure I'm I'm not thinking outside the box nearly as much as when I approach it, approach it fresh. So that's one of the places where we differ. So when I put out the boron letters, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I did there was um, I, you know, there were there was different things that I tried, and one of the things that I was thinking at the whole time is if I was Amazon, and I wanted to keep this book highlighted and promoting it, what would I be looking for from the book? And so what I did was I was um, I set up these marketing promotions to promote the book, but I set them so that they weren't specific to a time like, hey, we're going to do this in two days, and then they get the have the reminder email had to go out in 42 hours or anything like that. I set it up so that I could send out a promotion and then immediately send the others if I wanted to or not send them and send them later because that way when I put the book out it hit number one as soon as it would start to slip to number two I'd promote again and make it not stay number one so the whole goal was to keep it number one for a lengthy period of time right yeah and then I did that then what I did was I told everybody to go buy John Carlton's book right and the great part about that is now the re now my audience is being told to go buy his book as well so the people so so Amazon's algorithm says a whole bunch of people who bought this book also bought that book right mm -hmm. and so, <laughs> so and now every chance. time somebody buys John's book they get they get they, not only do they get a people buy John's book they say they also bought this because somebody says I'm gonna get John's book and wait a minute, you know, I get free shipping if I get two more books, and I like that scientific advertising book, so I'll get that. And then there's the Boron letters are down below it, right? Mm -hmm. So they add that in, you know, for shipping and bundling. But beyond that, they actually take my, because I did such a good job at this, they took, um, they take, uh, when you buy John's book, you get an email specifically telling you and promoting my book. Wow. Okay. And so that's because I knew what they wanted. And I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Now that worked. Let me try and replicate that. 
you know, part of that was just good business karma and stuff like that. But I, you know, I tried to replicate it. What I did was I wrote this email. I called it, and the the it was a great email in my opinion because the the subject line was the Holy Trinity of copywriting books, and you know the list had been built up over a long time, but it you know it had thousands of names on it, and it got a fifty two percent open rate. Wow. Just from that, you know, because everybody wanted to know what with the Holy Trinity of copywriting books. And in that email, I promoted the Boron Letters, scientific advertising, and a new version of the Robert Collier Letter book that I had written the description for. Okay. And all three of these are available, you know, the, the non-updated version of all three of these are available either for free or really inexpensively on Amazon, right? And I included links to where you could go and do, do those things. And um, so I sent out the, the email, and all three of those made the top four spots for, the, um, for Amazon's bestseller, right, for that day and I think the next day after that. Well, now, guess what happens when, you, when people go and buy those books? They get promotions telling them, hey, you might want the Boron Letters too. Mm -hmm. Okay? And my thinking was this. If I had gone and looked at somebody's, hey, you know, how to, um, how, to put, how to put out a book on Amazon PDF, you know, or go to the, the head guy for doing it, and, like my dad would, I, could get, I, I would get some more tips and stuff like that, but I might have missed that, that new thing. So what I like to do is I like to, I like to come up with ideas and experimentation and then look at you know, filling in the, 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 the formula pieces, like filling out your author page and, you know, all of the other stuff. So, and now, now let me give you a caveat though here. I did look at all that stuff before I launched. I just made sure that I was doing my own plan first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't want you, I don't want to, you know, I mean, you, you still have to follow the rules and the steps that are in their formulas, but I kind of like approaching, you know, marketing concepts and stuff. Um, I, you know, it's e I, I'd rather hear what the product is and what it's about be, and try and think of my, my own hook before you try and give me your hook and then I've got your hook stuck in my head and I'm trying to massage and work it. Hmm. I guess that's a better way to put it. Definitely. But like I said, I was going to be quiet most of this actual interview and I think I've kept true to that. Damn it. <laughs> no, but it's, just like, it's amazing because like your dad is literally and you are you guys are just amazing like all of you because you've given so many tips here even like how you do things which is absolutely amazing so it's, it, this question is going to seem pointless but if we're going to sum it up in three things let's go with that because honestly there's probably I'm probably going to get you back on the show at some point or another because this has just been fun um, what three things would you what three things would you advise to someone that's going through a time of either struggle or they're trying to get better at what they're doing? So either they're stagnant at where they're at or they're struggling to get to where they're at. Like what three bits of advice would you give to them? Ah, oh, well. Um, and it can't be the same stuff you gave me. <laughs> okay. Um, well, the one – the um, well, it – when you're struggling, the hard, the biggest problem that you're having is actually with confidence in your personality. I always think that there's a lot of people in direct marketing that could use a specific direct marketing counselor, right? Your emotions are up and down. You know, one minute you're the greatest guy in, who, 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 in the world and you've never written anything that failed. And the next minute you're like, oh, I don't think they like me. I suck. <laughs> And that's true of everybody, and that's important for you to know. See, I thought because, you were going to just describe my Thursday, though, but sure. 
But that's important that it's your Thursday. It's important for everybody to understand that was Gary Halbert's Thursday, and that's my Monday, and that's everybody's, right? And everybody goes through different levels of it. Um, And it does get easier over time and stuff like that. But the important part is, you know, we'll see copywriters and marketers that really start diving into a routine because they can kind of control when they know and monitor and know when they're in a certain state of mind. I always schedule my... Um, like if you wanted, to, if you want to do a uh, a podcast with me or something, it's got a you know Tuesday at ten o'clock is a, in morning my time is a perfect time for that, right? <laughs> it's it's when I'm on, it's when I'm not thinking about anything else, and you know I'm you know as sharp as I can could be for the week. But the um, you know psychologically, I think there's some things that it helps for you to know about. You know, first of all, when you're struggling, you should know that everybody struggles. You know, Gary Halbert was the king poobah, and the reason I think a lot of people consider him the greatest copywriter ever is because he has so many winners in different niches and different areas, and in a way that you probably couldn't do now. Because you know, if you want to go up against Clayton Makepeace in finance, you've got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, and so to, to do that, beat him, and then jump over and try and beat somebody else like Carly. Call in 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 health or something like that. You know, what I mean, it's, people can't do it. You know, back then it was a lot easier because you know my father could you know throw in some great new techniques and you know put his kind of brand of personalization on it that was never seen in that industry. So, but even him who had so many great winners and everything, if you made if you made me bet my life on each of the you know every time that an ad was going to go out, I would bet that it wouldn't do well. Because there are so many, you know, nobody talks about the losers that match to the winners, but they, they're all there, okay? So, you know, the if you're struggling, it's important for you to remember that your insecurities are insecurities that all of the greats have had at one time or another. That, you know, that if you're struggling because the first one you did, first ad you didn't write wasn't an immediate, you know, profitable or winner, you know, and then this changes over time. You know, my my dad, I was talking about this with another guy uh, a couple weeks ago. My dad would, he would get upset when he'd get a, a, an ad campaign that broke even. He'd walk away from it. And everybody else is like, what are you talking about? You had to back into that. You got a running business. My dad just all he just got to himself to a place where his comfort level wasn't happy unless it was it made money on the front end, right? And um, so everybody's status and their in their mindset of where they're, you know, of what they, you know, what constitutes uh, a big win. And the thing is you're in, you're in competition with yourself, not with other people. And you're in competition to make profit. Okay, and it's a numbers business, and that's a um, and you know there's a you know when you said that I was going to you're going to ask me about three things that would help people. I'm thinking along those lines, but when you're specifically talking about people who are struggling, conceptually, personality-wise, it's important to remember those things, so that you're motivated to continue making and moving forward. The other thing is try and do everything in in certain type of small steps. If you can sell one, you can sell a hundred, and if you can sell a hundred, you can sell a thousand. And the list goes up from there. So you know, it's a. Um, so what I'm going to tell you is one. Um, the entire time, remember, this is a numbers game. Know your numbers. Pay attention to how much things cost, how much it will cost to source leads, and all of that stuff. Um, and know that. But then you know, time is of the essence, and you don't want to be barking. Up, spend a lot of time barking up the wrong tree. Work to selling. Work to selling and getting. Um, you know, completing one sale. 
don't work about being perfection and making a great launch and everything. You know, work on work on accumulating a couple sales and then take whatever is working, hone it and refine it. Because the way it really works is, you know, you throw out um, 10 totally different new kinds of concepts and business ideas. And you may be lucky and all of them sort of have a little life to them. I've, I've been lucky in that way, you know, but I've got a big freaking head start. Um, you know, but they're not all, they, they trust me, they don't all come out to the same kind of degree of success that you want them to do. <laughs> so it's better to cast out a whole bunch of, you know, set a whole bunch of traps and areas, find out where the fishing is really good okay and then go and you know fish that fish that source so the i guess what i'm boiling it down to is motion over meditation it's what my dad taught me and it's really true it'd be better for you to start putting out an imperfect like the other day you put out a letter and you know you had a you know spelling error you didn't finish reading it through that was better than doing nothing yep i admire that more than somebody who you know i spent 10 months perfecting this thing threw it out there and nobody liked it Mm-hmm. You know, that's a much bigger waste of freaking time, you know, emotion over meditation. And almost every single time you make a move, you end up saying, God, I wish I would have done that earlier. Because if it worked, you're like, man, I could have been perfecting this this entire time and feeling so much better. And if it didn't work, you'd be like, wow, I, sh- you know, I couldn't have, shouldn't have been wasting this all this time preparing for this. You know, I got everything right, got all my ducks in a row. It, it was it was perfect in every way that I could see and it just you know it had no you know no legs people just didn't want it you never really if you if it was a hundred percent guarantee that everything you thought of would be a big winner and everything you know <laughs> I'd be you know so in demand it's insane <laughs> yeah I, I agree but, and tell you that so I would you know when you're when you're struggling remember that everybody else is doing it remember that it's a numbers game pay attention to that motion over meditation shoot and start off in the smaller the smaller areas and the other thing is um, you can buy your way out of any part of the marketing business building scheme um, the th- you know every part of building a business coming up with a creative business and idea itself you can hire a group of people to a- and pay them to actually come up with good effective business ideas based on your hobbies or your interests um, marketing plans um, you know VSLs videos uh, website design PDFs there is no part of the of the marketing pl- part of marketing and ma- building a business that you can't outsource and hire. I'm not saying that you should do that and you should do it all the time or anything like that. But the point is, everything's about timing and speed. Okay, great businessmen, um, uh, people in business want to, that are uh, that are great really want to trade their you know they trade their money for speed <laughs> and for t- to you know to speed things up because they know that you know that's the most precious commodity we have and we're not getting any of it back and so they don't want to um, you know when the when you know they tra- they tra- they pay you know they would rather pay give away 10% of this uh, to a great copywriter and have them get it going so that they can you know do that with four other copywriters and get you know 10 projects going time is of the essence all the time right Mm -hmm. so the but the point is a copywriter or is the point of somebody who's in marketing or starting a business or as an entrepreneur of any kind you can you know don't worry about you know diving into and fixing everything that you hate or that you don't want to do hire out somebody to do the stuff you hate focus on doing the part that not only you love but you love so much you do it better than everybody else 
you know and you know so i think that you know a lot of times when you're starting out and you're like well i you know everything's great but i got to build this website and i just freeze up every time i look at html or I look at a wordpress you know templates or things like that hire somebody else to do that then but a lot of entrepreneurs you know when they first start off the one thing you know it's funny is they they just get so upset about refunds right <laughs> yeah <laughs> And the gurus tell them, look, if you're not selling, getting refunds, you're not selling hard enough. And then when they get their refunds, they take them personally and they want to go back. Hey, you jerk. And you said you looked at it and it shows that you didn't even log in. <laughs> and they waste all this time talking about if If refunds are destroying that much part of your mental psyche, hire somebody to process them for you. Yeah, I've always found that. I'm actually pretty grateful with refunds because they don't really affect me as badly. But that's so true. And um I think I read it earlier today, which is, uh, what was it, Dennis Felix, I think his name is, the guy that wrote How, How to Be Rich, the book. I'm not sure. Okay, he wrote a book called How to Be Rich, and one of his things he said that is a young man, If the younger you are, you have more time, and time is everything. So figure out how to maximize your time, because that's more important than money. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely true. Yeah. No, I thought... No, but the and so and the one thing about you know you can outsource anything that's dragging too much of your time. Yeah, definitely. you know, and the other thing is a business owner. Um, you know, and I'm going to give you. I'm gonna. It's kind of like sound like the opposite, or give you some juxtaposition for that. Is the as as marketing advice. The biggest advice I can give you is really understand that all the power in your marketing comes from your research. Knowing who your customers are, where they can be found, how much it costs to get to messages to them, what they like, you know, what they will eat up and buy, what they how they like to talk about the stuff that they're interested in. All of that stuff's going to be much more valuable than creative writing skill. Okay? Mm-hmm. So marketing research is, you know, is where you want to start focusing and that's and that's about being with the prospects. It's about under, you know, going and absorbing them and yeah, there's techniques for doing a lot of the stuff, but there's, you know, it's it's about understanding and making everything about them. Everything that my dad did about getting his mail opened in 1968 was about understanding people came home and they were tired and didn't want to sift through all the junk mail. He understood that process, so that's how he figured it out. I understood that 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 uh, Google ad example I gave you is because I understood what people searching that keyword string were thinking, right? That theory and that understanding is more powerful <laughs> than you know knowing to you you know when to use the word amazing. <laughs> I would agree. It's absolutely amazing. Bond, it's been an awesome hour that we've had you on here. I really want to do this again sometime, dude. Um, great to have sure. you back on. If, you know, I hope you had fun today. <laughs> I know we did. Yeah, I'm sorry if I talk too much. Oh, never. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's always fun. We had some good stories. We got some cool secret exclusive stuff on here that no one else knows about, which, by the way, I'm going to keep a secret exclusive for this show only. Um, guys, go check out uh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead and check out halbertizing.com. Um, for just some great stuff about Gary and also the Gary Um just to get more of an idea of how great this guy was, uh, as well as you know, go check out Bond stuff because you know he's pretty awesome at what he does. Even though I may blame him every so often for a few mistakes because you know I've I've got to do that. I get away with it from time to time. Take some advice and say it was Bond's idea. And if it That's works, what my dad did. Yeah, pretty much. If it, if it works, <laughs> say it was my idea. If it doesn't, say it was his idea. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Um, no, that's, that's the Halbert motto. If it works, I get all the credit. If it doesn't, <laughs> I never heard of it. Yeah, pretty much. 
But yeah, check out um, adelamarcy.com as well for more stuff that we're going to be uploading soon. Uh, guys, it's been fun. Bon, thanks for being here, guys. Take care. Bye-bye.